2: Only deals in mental reps. <laughs> Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room teeming with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey Dan. Woo!
3: Hey now, I feel alive again.
2: Is anybody alive out there? <laughs> it is uh almost 5 p.m. In Southern California, the 2017 NFL Draft is mercifully over. And the Around the NFL podcast, which is driven by Hyundai, is here to talk all about it. How exciting, guys. Thank you to our Facebook Live
3: and, and Periscope watchers. And, of course, to everyone listening to the podcast as well.
2: Yeah, I put, it, I put a 55-45 who I'm more <laughs> thankful for, but I won't say who's who. Sit down! Right, Greg, you're a little punchy. <laughs> A little punchy with the Kendrick Lamar reference in the middle of the show. We like you, to keep that before the show. I thought
3: you were going to follow it up. It's one of Dan's uh, best bits of 2017.
2: to Just yell out. <laughs> I
4: thought it was <laughs> not, one of Kendrick Lamar's.
2: Best sit down, bits. be humble in the middle of any conversation. <laughs> yeah, it is a little bit jarring to people, but then then they'll be like, "Oh, am I? Do I need to?" Well, the, like pull back a little bit.
1: It probably does force them to ask a you know a primary question. Maybe be more humble, person that heard that from Dan. <laughs>
2: Anyway, so the draft is over. Seven rounds in the books and NFL rosters, though not complete because now begins the process of all the undrafted players and the free agent signings that come uh, immediately once the draft ends. Phones are ringing like crazy still. But now if you are a follower of an NFL team, you're really now. It's coming into focus what your team will look like uh, when uh, they take the field in September. And we talked about it our last time. It's our fourth show of the week. Marron. So let's calm down a little bit here. <laughs> what off season? Got my vote. Um, our last show is Thursday night where we talked all about round one. So this show will focus on the final six rounds and also some kind of big picture takeaways uh, from the week uh, or the three days in Philadelphia, which, by the way, I think will be remembered as kind of a game changer. At least I'm not going to say globally. Or anything, but internally with the NFL, I think it was a, a bit of a eureka moment of uh, what uh, what this event can be if you really want to test the limits. And it makes sense; it logically. There was a, the NFL said that there were 250 thousand people that attended uh, this event in downtown Philly, and you're going to see more events like this. Connor Orr, who's going to join us later today, Ooh. that's exciting. He boots on the ground for Connor um, in Philly. He likened it to uh, the NFL's version of Coachella. And, you know, the NFL loves that anything that and they got it's hard for the NFL to get good press from certain outlets out there. But when you're getting positive reviews for an event, almost universally, the NFL knows they hit on something. So expect this event to continue to get bigger. Well, not smaller.
1: Okay. I mean, I would say we'll get into it later. I have some severe issues with uh, the production of day three on on television. But you know who else
2: agrees? Mike Mayock agrees.
1: Absolutely. I think everyone involved does. Guess where we're going
2: next month. If we're going back to the zoo, I'm, I'm walking off the desk. <laughs> feel free. I've about had the zoo. Okay. We're going Enough. Enough. back. <laughs> Enough. <laughs> I mean, is this good TV? Song, I, <laughs>
1: I love what he said. I, I think it was totally refreshing. We'll get into that later, but I will say the energy and Phil, you could see it from the first night through Sunday, that the people there loved it. And so we, we were far away from that, but, that is you know going to continue. No questions asked. It's outside. It's outside, baby. Is it? Well, delivered. Could have used a little more of the the elements in my book.
2: And we will, Mark. Uh, that cost you some sandwiches yes, it did. because Mark was the only guy rooting for uh, inclement weather for all the hundreds of thousands of people there, and it cost you. Uh, some meat products. I mean, that it's a double pain for you because it's like when Mike Lombardi uh, tweeted at Wes, uh, pay up to you, essentially. I
1: don't know where that needed, I don't know why little, that needed to happen. A little
2: double trouble there. You got Lombardi, who's on your radar as a failed former Browns executive. Well, and he's talking about sandwiches and, and meat and all that. A lot of everything bad Everything crumbling down at once, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> a great scene in Philly uh, and everyone seemed to have a good time. Uh, but, that's not the only thing we're going to talk about. I mean, we're not here to carry the water for the league. I'm just going to come out and say they did a nice job with the event uh, as someone who, who was upset when they left Radio City. But now you kind of see if you take the scope, at, take, like get the s- scope bigger, it makes sense. This is the time of year when f- every fan base is at its highest hope level. Lean into that and see what happens. Yeah. That's what happened here. Now, let's talk football. This is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the Browns getting that quarterback and uh, taking themselves out of scam for Sam. I like that. And, no. And, uh, you know, hosing for Rosen, I like to call it. <laughs> Completely remove <laughs> themselves. Is, we're from, now
1: veering into your fantasy, lands. This is not how next season for next operates. The
2: greatest, from the greatest quarterback class since 1983. Uh, <laughs> a, a controversial pick by the Cincinnati Bengals, who are helping out my boy Andy. The Vikings finding their replacement for Adrian Peterson. A lot, oh, And by the way, we promised it, and don't, we don't break promises around here. We're going to have a segment later today called Five Minutes in the Raven's Nest. <laughs> Give me another one. Hit me with another one, sir. <laughs> right. That's a sick
3: Raven. Very bleak. It's because Ravens fans have complained we haven't talked about them. By doing this, I just realized we encouraged many more fan bases will be asking us to be the next team to get five minutes of that's what the time. block
2: button is for Greg. <laughs> Come, yeah, it's like coming up next month inside the Titans nest. <laughs> <laughs> uh but I I think I think the Ravens fans kind of do deserve it because they have been tweeting at us for a while now and they're right. We haven't really hit on the Raven five really good minutes breaking down the Ravens offseason and their draft class. I'm excited. Mark you're not as much.
1: I mean I feel the Ravens fans in general have endured an incredibly successful run. I don't know why they need five audio minutes on our show separated
2: from the rest of the league, but we'll do it. <laughs> it's a compelling statement by you. Uh, well, that's an angry Browns fan. It's still He once into- tried
1: to fold the franchise. Oh, that's true.
2: Well, that's still in,
1: that's still in the that's works. That's still in play? It's still in the works. Uh,
2: we'll share some takeaways uh, and then we'll check in on uh, Go Get My Lunch. But a little teaser for how that went. You need to play my song, Sid.
1: Get your Dan Get
2: this was Dan my redemption.
1: Hanses. Hanses. Yes,
2: the great Young Monday, uh, the best MC in the game to, to drop a massive hit and then just walk away. Mm. Kind of like the Lauren Hill of underground hip hop is the way I look at it.
3: Greg, yeah, never, never have we had a. Uh go get my lunch champion, less likely to take his own advice to sit down and be humble.
2: <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's not going to happen. <laughs> oh, because two years ago. I went, I believe, one in 13 in this yep. in this very exercise for the draft season. Uh, so every even Steven, I'm on the fence now. Mark, I like it up here. You're neither good, not bad. Not going one way or the
1: credit other. Credit where credit is due. You did an excellent job. And uh, you know, it's good that you have a theme song and everything else that comes with it.
2: <laughs> All right, let's uh let's get into it. And we yeah, let's start. Everybody likes to talk quarterbacks and this was a draft that um it does seem to happen every other other year. There's the draft that is the, and Mark, this is not me taking any of the wind out of the sails of your favorite team, but every other year it feels like it's the hope draft for a Browns franchise where everyone allows the team and and everyone believes that they finally are getting on the right track. But this is one where it felt a little different. And after a big uh, night one where they got three first-round picks uh, and, and got three premium players, and we'll see how they work out, Uh, The Browns do make their move at number 52 overall in the second round. They select Notre Dame star Deshaun Kaiser uh, to be uh, not necessarily their immediate quarterback of the now, but it adds, Mark, another arm to the room and, and frankly, a room that needed something more than what it had.
1: They did. I think they're a team that why not draft a quarterback every single draft? And so they did that. And what the difference here, I think if you're a Browns fan, is... Brady Quinn, <clears throat> Brandon Weeden, uh, Johnny Manziel, and a list of others were all over drafted. It was desperation to get back into the first round and grab guys that you know history tells us were not anywhere close to where they were drafted in terms of their talent level. What I like about this is they allowed Deshaun Kaiser to fall right in their laps, and the players they picked above them were appropriately picked where they were where they were selected. So. There was. They said we're not desperate to go after a quarterback, and you had to prove that to the fans versus just saying it. And I think they did. I think they got a guy who, you know, opinions are so mixed on this quarterback class, but some say there are issues with him. Well, you're but you're pretty high on him. Well, I'm high on him on this. You were high on him well, last night, that's for sure. Oh, he was high. Watching, Watching what little film I have of these quarterbacks, he has his upside is as high as any quarterback in the class. And say. there's also the potential pitfalls, and that's from the neck up and everything else. But... Where they took him? Why not? That's all I'd say. And I and people say, "Oh, I, I got killed on Twitter for saying he could easily be the starter in Week One." No, it couldn't. Impossible. It's like, what's ahead of him? Why not? It's not because he would be on other teams, but in Cleveland, he could be. I think for the
4: first time in a long time, it feels a little safe to start getting excited that there are possibilities here in Cleveland. A good draft, you you get three starters. They could have done that in the first round alone. That's before yeah. you get to their second-round quarterback, who many scouts believe is the most physically gifted in the entire draft. So there's four guys who are interesting right off the bat. And that's you still have third, fourth, fifth-round picks. Who knows what
1: that will be. I'm trying to find out what is the vast difference between Mitchell Trubisky right. and him. Well, that could be just as good. That's the thing. The process was right. Not to
3: use you know the 76ers term. The process of how they got him was right because none of these quarterbacks were... Sure things. And think about how much Trubisky cost. He didn't cost the number two pick. He cost the number two pick and three more valuable picks. Uh, Deshaun Watson didn't just cost one number one pick. He cost two number one picks. This is why the Patriots were holding out for a lot, for Jimmy Garoppolo, he was worth a lot more than just the one number 12 pick. I mean, Pat Mahomes cost that much. Kaiser, we'll see. No one's going to... No, we don't know now if he's going to be a great quarterback. He's kind of got the big arm and the body and the athleticism that you like him in the AFC North and you like him with a good quarterback tutor. And he has the edge of having a little less pressure on him for being that late second-round pick. The fact that they didn't give up all those picks is what makes him sensible. They that's why you pick up all the extra picks so you can just take some gambles like this instead of having to give up and move up and and I loved it and and I I know I didn't love it as much as you. I just want to quote you on one thing Mark that you said Deshaun Kaiser is a dystopian icon. Well, okay. <laughs> what what, that what does that
2: even mean?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> guys, this is this is I I, I worked the early shift yesterday and I don't oh, have Oh, I could I, 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 yeah, I I can pick that, out some other choice yeah, words here. I'll be network being, in my that, house and I'll be happy if you do. But I I skirted over to a place called the Irish Times, not too far from my house, and watched this draft. And by the time he was picked, I had a beer or two in me, and I thought. I like it. I'm going to let get, these guys know
3: about he it. You also said he's, perf- he's, he's perfect for our time. He will lead the Browns to a Super Bowl title well, I did that not
1: nobody that. can did support I? morally. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about at that point. I mean, that's, you know...
2: I'm going to lean on the on the listeners, and I know you won't let us down, to come up with some uh, Deshaun Kaiser artwork framed around um, the type dystopian icon.
1: <laughs> I like I like that phrase. I have yeah, no I, memory of typing it. Can
2: I... And we got to keep moving, but I will... Again, I want the best for the Browns, Mark, because I love you. My fear with the Jets taking a quarterback in the second round, which they didn't, thankfully, um, is that with a great quarterback class potentially next year, if you see... Something from Deshaun Kaiser this season, but you're, no, nobody sold but It's like, oh, he flashed a couple of things. And then you talk yourself into sticking with him and sticking this out. And then he doesn't work out because he is a flawed player, according to all estimates or all scouts and everyone that watches his tape. Uh, and then you miss out on the class because, or miss out on Jimmy Garoppolo or Kirk Cousins because all of a sudden you have this project on your hands that you're going to give a real good look at, I would assume.
1: I the one thing coming out of this weekend, because I was very concerned about all the rumors swirling around this front office going into the draft, that they would have been the Bears, basically. I thought we were going to come out of this, they could pretend in another alter, alternate reality, they're the team that sold the farm for a quarterback I don't buy new. I don't think this, if they really loved him this much, you don't wait this long to get him. Right, I, they, could, I, they would have taken him with the number exactly. 29. I, I think they are as open as any team in the league to upgrading the quarterback every single time they have a chance. And they have five picks. And
3: that's one of the reasons I love this Browns draft. They have five picks in the first two rounds of next year's draft. So they got all these picks, but they're still loaded with premium. We're going to get starters with
1: these picks next year. Yeah. That's right. You still need a quarterback. Yeah, yeah, and I. But I think they know. That's that. why. That's why they're you not, take one every no year. They're under no illusion that that Cody Kessler is going to be enough. They it's are Bad not.
2: news for Cody Kessler, and I, it goes without saying, bad news for Brock Osweiler. It
1: was going to be bad news for Cody Kessler or any quarterback in the league that it holds a starting spot in April when you really aren't an NFL but what, starter. Wasn't Cody Kessler
2: a third round pick last year? Yeah, you're essentially yeah. giving up on a third round pick. It feels. No, yeah. you're not. I, you, I think
1: uh, they're taking a quarterback every year to get better and better at the position.
3: People need. I, I I think you don't need to be precious at court. You wouldn't be saying that if you took you know four cornerbacks in two years. You know, you just take keep taking players. Right. He's. Pro- th- I would think he's their week one starter. I think Cody Kessler is going to start a lot of games. He showed some promise. He might be a low-level NFL starting quarterback, and that would be a win for them.
2: Take it from somebody that had four quarterbacks on my team's active roster last year. Uh, when you start collecting prospects, it, it starts to get a little muddled when you're trying to get people reps and you're trying to get people in line. Well, Dan, it I'd could say, get, could get, I'd oh, say don't That's
1: clump it. the Browns in with the Jets. The, the Browns are a class organization. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Speaking of the, you say class organization, yeah. but uh, one man was not happy about the Browns draft decisions. His name is Gabby Bonish, mm. <laughs> and, I, and I reached out to Gary and he, he had this to say about being uh, alerted that he's being released because he got the new hotshot tight end of the first round. Yeah, I, I, Gary Barnard is going to make a statement now. Okay, okay, we, okay we get, we get we're, it. We're all in. <laughs> I'm not interested in getting an argy bogy over it. Well, I did hear the news about being cut. I did I did a nut. Like, you know, the thing I got me most is I found out we're watching the telly. I hope a new team signs me within a fortnight. <laughs> Maybe, maybe I'll have a, a cheeky pint or two tonight and not feel so miffed. Argy-bargy. 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 <laughs> what? That was the statement.
1: I mean... That's probably the worst British accent I've ever heard.
2: Well, whatever. I mean, that was his statement.
1: Guy made nearly six million guaranteed...
2: I don't think uh, they should have cut him, by the way. But, the, you know, I, we were knows?
1: saying that downstairs. The timing. Why such a rush to do it? But they clearly didn't think he was the guy.
3: He must know. not have fit Hugh, what Hugh Jackson wants in a tight end at all. And they almost thought they were doing him a favor. It's very it is very strange to cut that productive of a, a player right he, now. Why bother? He'll,
2: he'll land on his feet and maybe even with my New York Jets. Uh, yeah. But uh, we'll see. But I think he'll get a job. But it is he is his Twitter feed served as a reminder of what a tough business the NFL is, because immediately after the draft, he tweeted, "Welcome to the tight end room, David Njoku." Njoku, uh, looking forward to getting started. And then his following tweet, uh, less uh, about twelve hours later, I would, I want to thank the Cleveland Browns for giving me my opportunity, and look for, mm. looking forward to seeing the change. Uh, time for the next step. Tough it, business. There will
1: come a time when our Twitter feed has the same, you know, <laughs> night and day type it's, of operation. It's strange how different the tone
3: and the vocabulary were <laughs> in those two tweets uh, than the statement that he gave to you, Dan.
2: Well, I'm reading it in my right. follow along, Greg. I'm reading his tweet, but that was an actual statement from Gary. Okay. Piped into the, the, the cans. Got it. He
4: sounds like he might've been with Sessler at Irish times last night, the way you were. I'm just saying some that? of the, the lexicon,
2: the British uh Oh, I see words, they're a little different. He I was <laughs> well, I'm gonna pull back the curtain a little bit. R-G? I did I hit up uh the only British person I know in this office for some slang words, Argy bargy which is my, the most British thing I've ever heard in my right. life. Uh means to to kind of cause a commotion to make a scene.
1: It which, means that's that got, currently or that's like from the eighteen hundreds? Listen.
2: Or? That I'm just saying that's what people say when they get they're uh, over okay. there, over right. over the old uh, ocean. You need to throw
4: o- in a little "Bob's your uncle," Robert's your father's brother.
2: <laughs> I don't get the ref.
4: It's a British saying. Oh, see? and when you finish something, you're like, "Oh, and Bob's your uncle." There, we're done. It's Dan all.
3: doesn't like other countries, so
2: yeah, you, know, you always say that. I just happen to love this one, and I got a lot of work to do in this country, including raising two boys and taking care of my wife. So, Greg, while you're gallivanting around the world and and, and ignoring your responsibilities. Born in the U.S.A. right here. I got work to do.
4: (laughs) Ignoring your responsibilities.
1: Thinly-veiled megalomania. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Let's move on. Joe Mixon. You know, he is obviously a very, very talented prospect at running back. Uh, First-round talent, in fact, but had a a, a truly uh, ugly assault incident during uh, his college days. And you knew he was going to come off the board. Uh, It was just a matter of if it was going to happen in round two or later, And who would pull the trigger? And it turns out the team that pulled the trigger was the Cincinnati Bengals who selected Mixon number 48 overall in the second round on uh, Friday. So obviously there's a lot of, uh, you know, things to deal with when you factor in the domestic or the violence issue that Mixon was involved with and whether that's somebody you want to get in bed with. Uh, But it also, from a pure football standpoint, Wes, very interesting as uh, another uh, sign that the Cincinnati Bengals are intent on fixing their offense this offseason.
4: Yeah, some people thought he was the best running back in the draft, and this guy was born to play football. No matter what your morals are, what, is he going to go be a banker? I mean, I believe in second chances. He showed remorse. He made peace with the woman. It To me, like, someone should come up with some creative solutions here. If, if four teams were only interested, as the report said.
3: ESPN reported, yeah. Adam Schefter had taken a poll, and he had only found four teams that kept mixing on their boards.
4: So you're really doing a favor by giving this guy a chance. I'd like to see someone reach out and say, look, part of your salary is going to go to mm-hmm. this charity or this domestic violence place. Why, if you're going to give these guys chances that they wouldn't get in another field, I, I don't see any problem with dipping into their pocketbook. And then that way you don't have to, you know, all this worrying about PR and we got to take them in this round or that round. Just take some money away from him and put it to a good
3: purpose. It's it's a strange moral question because the morals of taking him in X round, like late second round versus right. first round, that that's confusing to me. Either you're making a stand – or you're not, but it's also a question of, okay, do we believe that someone that commits domestic violence, that pled guilty, should no longer work for the rest of his life? What are the things that you know we think he needs to do before he works? I mean, I don't have the answers here. I'm not surprised he got drafted early because watching him, he is incredible. I mean, to me, he's a safer on-field prospect from what I've seen than Fournette because he looks like an NFL back, because he can do everything, because he's a power back that can make people miss, has great hands, can be good in the passing game. I've heard people say, oh, this is a good spot. He doesn't have to do too much right away. Give me a break. He's taking this job from Jeremy Hill. Barring anything going wrong, he should be their starter. He's going to be a major factor, I believe, for the Bengals.
1: Totally agree. And they broadcast for months, that they want to change their backfield and upgrade it. And Jeremy Hill, who just a couple years ago seemed like a future star, has very quickly been eclipsed. And there is no question that Joe Mixon will be their week one starter, barring some sort of a setback. You can do some of the things with him that you can do with
3: Gio Bernard or you know that they're going to use Christian McCaffrey for. He's that good on passing downs, except he's 225 pounds. And so I I think it's a it's a name we should get used to. Cause I think we're going to be talking about him a lot.
2: We'll get back to Cincinnati a little bit later in the show, but we talked about, so Mixon comes off the board at 48, seven picks before that, the Vikings made their move. Uh, they had a, a huge hole, obviously in their backfield after deciding par- to part ways with franchise legend, Adrian Peterson. So what do they do? They trade up seven spots in the second round and take Florida state tailback, Dalvin cook uh, uh, with uh, the 41st overall pick and cook, Uh, is the first running back taken in the top 50 by the Vikes uh, since Adrian Peterson. Uh, Do you think, Greg, that this was the right move for the Vikings? It feels like it was. It
3: was. They traded up. I don't love the idea. They traded up actually with the Bengals, uh, who were in that spot to take Cook. They maybe were a little worried the Bengals were going to take Cook. I don't love giving up extra draft capital for a running back there. I don't think he's as sure a thing as you know, let's say Mixican, Mixon or Fournette, and that's why he fell this far, but it's a sign that they knew Latavius Murray was not going to be their guy. They needed more
2: than it's not at the level of Mixon because we haven't heard anything that bad, but Ian Rapport uh, reported that cook, one of the reasons he fell to the second round uh, was because was because of off the field concerns. So, you know, sometimes that's, it's kind of the annoying part of the draft is that this is sneaks into whatever round you're talking about, which guys are not, it's not just about football. It's about whether this guy is a good human being and whether you want to be in business with this person. Uh, and uh, cook did put up some red flags to other teams.
1: I just think, and Greg, you mentioned there is, it's a confusing, I don't want to call it hypocrisy, but there's something very confusing about this. We're going to make player X, we're going to punish him by not taking him in the first round as if that's big enough as a statement as we need to make in the te- as a team. We don't believe in him enough, but then we'll grab him in the second or third because that tells you that we have some sort of issue with who he is as a person. We'll grab him later, but you're still taking him. Literally, it makes no difference to me at all. And the, the, t- the only teams that took a stand here are the teams that say he's off our board immediately. And I guess it's all but four, but I'm not sure it's all but four. And it, it's All won- but four didn't, didn't take a shot at him. Yeah,
3: it. it's easy to say that Mixon wasn't on your board. I mean, Cook, week one, Monday night football— Vikings, Saints, Cook starting for the Vikings, possibly. Peterson starting for the Saints. Well, oh. cooking with gas. That's Cook's awesome. a
4: better fit for Pat Shermer's offense right? than Peterson or Latavius Murray.
3: Right. Murray it seemed like an odd signing. Didn't pay him a lot, but a guy that's not very good on passing downs in that offense. And now
2: I think he'll, he'll ultimately kind of be the 1B in that backfield. Um, and other running back news. You know, the Saints, speaking of Adrian Peterson... Just made a move, uh, uh, bringing in uh, the legendary Vikings running back, and they're not done because they go in and make a move in the third round, uh, drafting uh, Tennessee running back Alvin. Help me, somebody, Kamara, Kamara. Kamara. Uh, to me, that one is that one jumps out a little bit uh, to me. Like they seem to be set in the backfield after getting Peterson, but they decided they wanted to get somebody else back there. West makes sense of it to me.
4: It's hard to. I know they wanted a passing down back. Traveris Cadet is a fringe roster player. He's not somebody you want to lean on as your primary pass catching back. I get that. but uh, And Roto, Pat, Pat Doherty from Roto World had a really good quote on this yesterday. They talk, all the Malcolm Butler talk was about we need, the Brandon Cooks trade, too. We need we need to get our defense better after being embarrassing for a few years. Right. Then you go and trade next year's second-round pick for a, a scat back who's going to play limited snaps behind Mark Ingram and Adrian Peterson. I don't like. I, I've lost the point where I trust Sean Payton as a team builder.
1: Or how about Mickey Loomis, who's in a complete flurry dealing with the New Orleans Pelicans, while you're in the middle of the NFL draft? How about your priorities? Yeah, pe-
3: Straight, please. Well, Pelicans didn't do too so well, so he has his, he has some free time right now. Maybe they're getting ready for the NBA draft. I, I do wait. I do love that Mark brings this
2: up. Literally, it is every very annoying to me.
1: what is the crossover between running an NFL team and an NBA well, team in 2017? How about folk? You, you're proving that if you you're, you alone are not doing a good job with the Saints, get someone in that's devoted to the football team primarily alone. I, I think a lot of people
3: <laughs> believe Sean Payton is essentially their shadow GM, and he's calling the shots. And I agree with you, uh, West. You, he is burned any trust in terms of building teams. He does know how to take offensive pieces and create some offense. And That's so, great. And then the then so lo- defense
4: is left wanting.
3: Long term, I've been criticizing them for not thinking long term and trading a second round pick next year for a third down back is not thinking long term. With that said, Mark Ingram maybe is not going to be on that team that long. Adrian Peterson is not going to be on that team lo- that long. Kamara is a guy who they see, they always play multiple backs, three backs. He's going to be on the field quite that, a bit. Fine. And people love him. And Mike Mayock had him ranked 27th overall. So, Don't be, you be think
4: look. every offensive coach would love to have all kinds of new toys to play with, <laughs> but they have a modicum of self-discipline, <laughs> and they answer to general managers and presidents who say, no, we have to build a team, not give you a new toy to use three snaps a game. God! That,
3: that's fair, Wes. <laughs> that is... Totally fair. And Saints fans don't like it. But the, the Saints didn't get what they wanted in this draft. I mean, Ruben, say Fo- the least, Ruben Re- Foster came out and said he was on the phone with the Saints when the 49ers called up because they traded ahead to take him. I think the Saints wanted to take uh, Pat Mahomes in the first round. So they didn't get what they wanted. That's it. This is the most loaded Saints offense they've had since 2011, maybe 2009. It could really be special. Probably, it probably won't be enough to win playoff games, but I do think it's better than it's
1: been, and they could
3: maybe get to the playoffs, score 35 what, points a game. What, it is a crazy-looking you need looking to score offense.
1: 45 points a game because the defense regularly gives up about 42. Wes, seven and nine.
4: Yeah, seven and nine. I mean, I don't buy that it's one of their best offenses. You've still got Kobe Fleener as a big part of it, and you lost Brandon Cooks. Your wide receiver core isn't as good as it was last year.
1: Um, uh, couple, real quick update yes. on United Kingdom uh, slang slash lexicon. Mark Summers, NFL, uh, our, one of our listeners breaking says, news "Right here, R G Barchi <laughs> is completely a current term." This is breaking. This is, let's break this. I'll break this. Let's break this. Mark Summers at Mark Summers NFL tells us R G Barchi. Absolutely a current term, and it is essentially when you would shove someone at a bar, you know, a, a scuffle would break. It's an R.G. bargy Argy-bargy?
2: R-G-bargy? Yeah. I, I respect Sashi so much, so I'm going to go in there and be an argy I think that works. <laughs> you use that correctly, perhaps. Congratulations, by the way, to Sashi. I just want to say, uh, despite my misgivings. Ladies and
5: gentlemen, for one night only, Sashi.
2: About a potential back, uh, uh, you know, backfire scenario with Kaiser. Uh, nice job by the Browns. Very smooth. I'm happy. For Very him. smooth guy too, wouldn't you say,
1: Sashi? Yeah.
4: Yeah.
2: Extremely Absolutely. Smooth. Like Billy D. Williams, smooth. That's mm-hmm. the way I look at it.
4: Nobody's that smooth.
2: Let's, well, he's in that world. Um, the big, big draft in Philadelphia, as we were talking about at the top of the show. I want to like, get you guys in touch with the people. Uh, what kind of element we're dealing with uh, the people of Philadelphia, and to do that, we're going to throw it to um, some. Uh, footage, archive footage now of Colleen Wolf who was on the ground in Philly, interviewing a man. Uh, that um, well, I'll let I'll let him explain uh, his decision. Uh, d- Wait, actually said, does this is the clip set up itself, or do I have to set it up? Uh, let's see. All right, let's, let's find out. Good shot. <laughs> let's John
6: just got married. Okay. And um, where's your wife? Uh, she is on a flight back from our honeymoon. So you left your honeymoon to come back to the draft in Philly? Of course. Why not? How did that conversation go? She knows how much I love
4: the
2: birds, so, I mean, it wasn't a conversation. It was, I'm going home for the draft, and you can have fun on the beach in a couple days in Florida. You can find that guy right now at Patty's Pub somewhere in Philadelphia. He'll be there till 2, 3 in the morning. You can find, you know, his wife
3: maybe entertaining Others, a lawyer, out over at, at the honeymoon. Speculation.
1: I don't know, but, but
2: it also there's some logic to it. I don't, I don't profess to no, know, John, but I will say, and West, one day you'll learn this as well. And you're a very headstrong man uh, in all aspects of life. But <laughs> once the ring goes on, once the ceremony happens, I'm not saying you become, uh, you know, some type of cuck, and you, you don't have any power in your relationship. But the compromise issues, they become stronger, the partnership aspect of it, and this idea of him just saying. Oh, I'm leaving the honeymoon, whether you want me to leave or not. You can get away with it now. You're not going to be able to get away with that in five years. So it's that way. Ain't
4: love grand. It does the heart good to know that there's someone for everyone. As this guy proved,
2: (laughs) uh, before we move on, the Patriots only had four picks in this draft, by the way. And it was Greg, no offense, but it was a little refreshing that the last three days were about every other team in the league, except for the Patriots, uh, And cosmically, it makes sense, too. It is the Patriots' world. We all understand by the fall, it will be once more. But just in this moment of optimism and hope, New England could sit out around. But, of course, that didn't stop Twitter, the Twitterverse, the football cognoscenti, from lauding everything they did. Uh, Let's listen to one of the picks and the reaction immediately thereafter. With
6: the 83rd pick in the 2017 NFL draft. Oh, boy. The
2: New England Patriots select a dead woman's abandoned wheelchair. Bill's <laughs> a genius. Football perfection.
4: Do you have any more picks?
2: We do, in fact. With the 85th pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, the New England Patriots select a discarded container that once held an eighth of medical marijuana. <laughs> they did it again. Totally <laughs> unstoppable. Was that Bill Simmons? They did it again. <laughs> Was that their entire draft? Uh, they had four picks. Just so you know, a little housekeeping. Maybe there's some coming up later. <laughs> they spread these out. Derek Rivers and Diedrich Weiss, two defensive ends, and then they went and got Antonio Garcia and Connor McDermott, two uh, tackles. People really did like
3: the Rivers pick, Youngstown State Troy, but they, Penguin. Well, we're talking. You know, if you're going to throw the Patriots out there. They had a very interesting draft. I mean, if you think about how they use their picks, they use their picks to get Brandon Cooks. It was essentially Brandon Cooks for Ryan Ramchick, uh was that trade for the number 32 overall pick. So they got Brandon Cooks. They got Dwayne Allen. They got Mike Gillisley. And who am I forgetting? They got Coney Ealy. So they got guys with these draft picks that are more likely to contribute this season, maybe not long term, but to make an instant impact on a roster that's gonna to be tough to
2: make for some rookies.
1: Danny kinda of squashed your point there a little bit, I think.
2: I listen, I told you. I'm not saying the Patriots didn't have a great offseason or they're not gonna go fourteen and two or better next year, but right now it's not their time. And I like that, you know, a lot everybody's kinda of on board with that. And even the Patriots on some level. Very low key. Uh past few days up on... The Until
4: Patriots. Greg names them one of his winners and his winners and losers. <laughs> Which he has right. a, It was that's actually
2: breaking it. on a mobile alert. Someone tweeted Just that. Just the I team think. site, yeah. Greg, Greg listed the Patriots as one of the big winners of the 2017 NFL draft, according to a... Sticking the macro view. Throughout the draft process. All right, the process, I get. I think they could have worded it a little better, that's all. That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. Um, well, this right. Antonio Garcia tackle from Troy, watch out. <laughs> All right, you ready? Now it's time. Uh, We promised it, and we will deliver. It's time to go five minutes in the (laughs) Raven's nest. How many podcast listeners are just pressing fast forward?
3: (laughs) Don't do it. This is going to be good. It's like the hockey segment of a highlight show.
2: Listen, we're promising that the... uh, (laughs) the, We're promising. I I got your NFL, uh, NHL reference. I like the most. we're promising five minutes to the Ravens, but we're not going to say it's going to be in praise of the Ravens because I'll start and say that I don't know what the Ravens are doing with this draft class.
3: What?
4: <laughs> I did some Stop. research.
2: I'm being honest. With All, with right. You. All right. Talk Why to us. Why did you give
4: them five minutes just to, talk to us.
2: just to publicly scold them? I just want to be honest with you. Like, What is the most underwhelming aspect of that team right now? The, sec- the secondary was going into the season. They've improved in okay. pretty dramatic. I think
1: in, you would say wide receiver potential. I'd say their offense in general. Okay.
2: They, they, had, they had a top 10 defense last year, but they, they're lacking playmakers. They've lost a, a host of players, including Steve Smith, two offensive linemen. And you don't want to ever doubt Ozzie Newsom, of course. But what do they do? The first two days of the draft, they take zero uh, offensive players. They stick on the defensive side of the ball. And then uh, doing a little more research, with the rest of the draft... They finally take a couple guards in round four and five, and that's good. You want to fortify that line for Flacco, who's getting older now. Uh, and then they take a DB in round six. No pick in round seven. So they don't take any skill players on offense. And let's be honest, how, how if you're a Ravens fan and you lost out on Brandon Marshall, uh, you lost out. Uh, and there was another player that they were hot on uh, a veteran in free agency. They didn't. They didn't get any. They wanted to bring Torrey Smith back. Pierre Garçon. Right. They were hot for. It. They didn't get him. So now you're going into the spring without any big playmakers in your draft, without any big scores in and free agency. How are they scoring more mm. than twenty points a game?
3: I think that's a fair criticism. Their running back position and their tight end position are underwhelming. They have players there, but they don't have plus. Exciting players. With that said, they had a lot of holes on defense. I know they they had good numbers last year, but they lost people. And it doesn't surprise me that they needed to fill some of those roles. People like Tyus Bowser a lot, who is their second round pick. Chris Wormsley, people thought was a good uh, value in the third round. I don't know about Ozzie Newsom, though, and the Alabama thing. It's like every over, time over. he's on the clock, everyone knows he's just going to take <laughs> the best Alabama player available. He took Marlon Humphrey in the first round at cornerback. They have really improved their secondary this offseason. I think it's gone from ugly to it looks pretty good on paper. Weddle and Tony Jefferson, and they've got some numbers at cornerback. And then they take another Alabama guy, Tim Williams, in the third round.
4: Well, they were already one of the best defenses in football last year. For stretches of the season, they were the most impressive defense I saw. Dan's right. They ignored what what their offseason tells us is they are counting on Brashad Perriman to become what they thought he was when they drafted him in the first round two years ago or three years ago, however long it was. He has been injured and unproductive and unreliable. They need him to emerge as a true
1: number one receiver. If this offense is going to do anything next year. That's what John Harbaugh said when he was asked about this, that, we feel we've addressed wide receiver in previous drafts, but we haven't seen the production from those players, and so you are you're hoping on that. There was another going to sign someone else. They will. They, Maybe it'll be Anquan Bolden because they need they need one more. They absolutely do. If you look at their, their wide receiver lineup, it's just completely the opposite of formidable. They, there was stuff coming out of Baltimore where they their goal is to build, not that any team wouldn't want this, but it, to, to focus on this, a Dallas Cowboys-like offensive line. That's That was their number one kind of pursuit. But then you wait as long as you do to take linemen in a class that does not have a particularly strong group of linemen. So you're waiting to do that. You're waiting to add the wide receiver talent. The running backs... Worked to some degree last year, but you could have gone and gotten a completely different type of identity changing back for your offense. You didn't do that. Well, they
4: stopped running the ball because they didn't trust their offensive line to open holes. Hmm. And they did pick up a couple of interesting guards.
5: One yeah. minute. What was that said? One minute.
2: Thank you. <laughs> Here were the the big additions, by the way, in their offense uh, this offseason so far. Running back, Danny Woodhead. Good pickup. Good pickup. I he don't basically
4: know. just replaces Kyle Juszczyk as the third down back.
2: Okay. Uh, but durability issues. He's getting old. now, Danny Woodhead. Yep. And uh, backup quarterback, Ryan Mallett. The only two offensive additions so far. And, and they don't take him back. anybody else other than linemen in the draft. So that's
1: first one. I could give you a, a final 10, 15 seconds on the Ravens. Give it to us. Your origin is one of thievery. Stole your team out of Cleveland, and now you're asking for good things. You've been given two Super Bowls. That's more than enough. I think they earned it. If it is time for you to suffer, it may be time for that to happen for a long period of time. How about you flip fortunes with someone else in the division, the team whose heart you ripped out of the city? This is a fair closing argument by you. I buy it. I am tired of this organization
2: succeeding. Ravens fans, uh, be careful what you wish for. Yeah. By the way, fourth round pick, Nico Saragusa. Last note. Of course, there's a famous Saragusa in Ravens history. No relation. Buzzer. (laughs) Let's exit the Ravens nest. That's fun. That's good. Give me a
1: call. Mm, Glad to get out of there.
2: We did it. I, thought, I, I try to be respectful about it, Mark. You took it in a different direction, but I understand. Have they been I
1: respectful understand. of my life?
2: <laughs> Who's they? I mean, Art Modell, rest in peace. I mean, he wasn't respectful, but now the current regime? How about the 23-year-old Ravens fan we met in a bar during the NBA playoffs
1: who had no idea that they were the Browns previously? I was once in, an, an, air-
4: was once in an airport with Mark as he stopped several strangers on the way to the gate to ask how they felt about the Ravens stealing his Cleveland <laughs> Browns franchise. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that... Uh, Two decades later. Well, <laughs> you know, some, you can't just ignore history because it happened before you were a child or an adult. One
3: well, middle-aged lady had a really strong opinion on it. That, that checks out, because I believe late, later that day, it was really a banner plane ride for Mark Sessler to the West Coast. <laughs> oh, I'm
2: alone on that one. Okay. <laughs> we, you know, we struggle to get shadowy league figures to pay attention to our show. Um, sometimes they pay attention. They paid attention after that flight that you guys took.
1: Well, yeah, we got called to the carpet. Good to bring that back up.
2: <laughs> All right, so uh, before we uh, head towards uh, checking in on Go Got Lunch and getting Connor on the horn, uh, how about some final kind of takeaways um, either from the last six rounds or uh, from the draft overall? We'll start with you, Greg Rosenthal.
3: Well, see, I stepped on my, uh, my Patriots bit here.
2: Mm. Let's start with someone else. While I'm thinking. <laughs> okay, Chris Wessling.
3: I would say the draft for
4: me was an extension of the idea I already had that I liked what the Colts, Panthers, and Buccaneers were doing with their offseasons. The, Panth- the Panthers picked up some defensive additions in free agency. They look strong on that side of the ball, and then they go get what they needed on offense, speed and playmaking ability, and they've bolstered the offensive line too. But I really liked the Christian McCaffrey uh, and Samuel Joseph picks to-, to get that speed and playmaking ability they desperately needed. The Colts' defense – That had to be fixed, and they have put so many resources into it this year. The first three picks are defense, and then they get Marlon Mack, who looks like he has a chance to be – Bucky Brooks was calling him this year's Jordan
3: Howard. Mm. Um, And in a great spot for it with Gore to pass him.
4: And then the Buccaneers, you know, love the Deshaun Jackson pickup. They get O.J. Howard, the best tight end in the draft, maybe the best tight end in, in the last few drafts. Uh, And then they get the the receiver out of Penn with the third round pick who can already compete for playing time in the slot. And maybe he becomes an outside receiver down the line. But I really like what those three teams have
3: done to become kind of borderline playoff teams to maybe propelling themselves into the postseason. And, And to throw another name just sort of in that rising team mix. I think the Titans, who you mentioned on Thursday night, also did the same in terms of adding playmakers, it was like, okay, we've got our meat and potatoes team. Now let's get some guys who can make big plays. And Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota, who have already proven, I think that they're solid NFL starters have to be loving this offseason. Uh, Godwin, who you mentioned, who the, who the bucks drafted in the third round, one of Matt Harmon's uh, very favorites thought he was the most underrated player or receiver in this whole draft, according to reception perception. And you start thinking about how many different options uh, the, that Jameis Winston has to throw to now, it's overwhelming. And the Titans also followed up their first round wide receiver pick uh, with another uh, pass catcher in the third round. And so these are guys who I I think are going to play, and and Taylor's a big playmaker, who are going to play right away. I think they changed how their offenses are going to look in the draft.
4: I watched some Corey Davis tape, and I can't believe after watching the tape that he was not far and away the consensus number one Mm, wide receiver in this class.
1: And, And you're talking about teams that found their quarterbacks, and it's, it, it, it's not that it's easier to build a team just because you have a quarterback, but it really is in oh, many ways. Oh, so much easier. You have that, that major piece in place, and you can start to build strength on strength around them. And my point would be, I know we hit on this the other night a little bit, but... When you did your pain rankings, for instance, Dan, I think it's back then it's fair to have ignored someone like the Chicago Bears and that fan base because they've been in the mix here and there. They've won a Super Bowl that we can remember. One of the more famous teams of all time, the 85 Bears. Three decades have passed now, plus where they have done nothing, come nowhere close to getting back to that level of glory. The team building scenario in Chicago is the absolute opposite from what we can see of what you guys have mentioned you had a franchise quarterback was not a great one, but you didn't parlay that into another one. You simply have no quarterback. Now you've got nothing. You reached massively for a quarterback in Mitchell Trubisky that really doesn't seem to be any different than guys that were picked six, seven slots later in that position. Bears fans to me, I think have been underrated for the pain they've gone through. And I think the, the level of hopelessness starts mm. with ownership there is, this is not a plugged-in franchise that cares about turning the Bears around. They, I think Whoa. they're coasting right now on the fact that the Cubs, for instance, have succeeded. They have put forward a completely confusing offseason. I don't think you can look at the head coach and say, this is the guy that other right. franchises have brought in to turn around. He gets you to a certain point. He's not even gotten them to that certain point. I, I do, this this has been a weekend of absolute despair, confusion, and disre- unrest for the Bears fan base. I, we have them in our office. They have never seen upset. them. They have never seen them at this level because I think it finally came to a head. Nothing makes sense in Chicago right now.
2: That, their strategy is absolutely uh, up for debate, or you could absolutely criticize them for the way they've they've went about things. I think even their three of their draft picks – uh we're not highly recruited players in the back end of this draft even beyond the uh Trubisky move. But in terms of like taking ownership to task for not trying and all that, I mean they're trying. They've identified Trubisky as a a a starter. And I'm going to, again, reiterate what I said Thursday. Let's see. Let's see if we can play. Well, It'd we can be nice if write him off.
3: Bears fans have written him off. I mean, they put him on. But the, who
2: cares? That, that's what they put him
3: on the, But they put him on the Jumbotron at the Bulls game while the Celtics are drilling them the other night. And they boo the poor kid. This is what they do with their new quarterback. They booed Mike Glennon at a Cubs game. They booed Trubisky. I mean, give the poor They don't kid. trust leadership. Don't
1: boo, they do not trust don't leadership.
3: Don't boo the number two pick of the draft already. But Come I, on, Bears. I agree with your Bad overarching
1: point, Mark. It's not his that, fault.
2: You're right. It's not his fault. Booing's overrated. And
1: when we get around, I have, a, I have a second takeaway to address what you just said, which I do agree with what you said on <laughs> some level.
2: Okay. Because uh, Glennon got booed <laughs> at Wrigley Field a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago. I think Bears fans are just – they're frustrated because – and, you know, I'm not going to go crazy feeling bad. Sorry for Bears fans. Like, as a Jet fan who's never seen a Super Bowl yet, they at least got the Super Bowl about 10 years ago, and, they, and their dads and brothers got to enjoy 85 – but it has been pretty barren. I get that. I understand. Let's see. Let's get a They got a Super Bowl Rex Grossman as their starting quarterback. I mean, they that were, they were
1: just basically fodder to be destroyed in that game. Please, we know that. Doing
4: uh, is one of the most futile actions that a human being can engage in.
2: <laughs> By the way, is there any relation between Chris Wessling and Mitch Strabisky? A lot of people are pointing this out, and I see the the physical resemblance.
4: He does look like I looked at, at about age 19 or 20. Does it
2: make you like him a little bit more? Not really. <laughs> Does that speak to just your yeah. feelings about him, prospect or about the way you? Feel I don't really about care
4: how quarterbacks look or football players. <laughs> like either
2: you can play or you can't. Right. I
4: love it. Yeah, but I don't care if it's actually
3: you. I mean,
4: that would have. To, I would have to put myself
3: outside. Yeah, you got to be kidding me. I mean, if there was a quarterback that looked like me, I'd be. I mean, I almost bought a Sage Rosenfeld's you know, Jersey, you get a little Jew out there playing quarterback, forget <laughs> it. I'm the biggest fan of him in the league. I mean, you
4: don't think Marcus Grant is really carrying the torch for Geno Smith, do you?
2: No, probably yeah. not. Yeah. Too but soon. That, and that's why I'm a big fan of Jimmy Garoppolo, because obviously <laughs> oh, Jimmy <really? laughs> uh, are very similar looking. Uh, Franco Harris looks like Sheck, too. That was Yes, he does. Take away, well,
1: I mean, slow down with that. I don't totally agree with oh, that. Oh, I think they look a lot alike. I'm not seeing it, but...
2: Uh, I I just want to share a quick takeaway about the Giants, since I I did address this a little bit on Thursday, that I I, I thought that Eli had a a nice Thursday night where they didn't take a quarterback. Uh, But then the Giants did take a quarterback in round three, Davis Webb. And, uh, you know, he could just be a guy that sits forever and ever. We might, or maybe he's not. The third round is pretty good real estate for a quarterback. But then what got me, got on my radar about the Giants is that we... (laughs) We know that they have the skill players, but if you really want to take care of your aging quarterback, address that offensive line. And they don't take a single lineman until the last pick. They got Biznowati. They got they got Adam Biznowati at the 200th pick overall. Not a
3: fan of Biznowati.
2: And I don't know if that if this this guy could play this Adam Biznowati, but address it a little higher up, maybe the the position. If Eli's not going to have time to throw, you know, you could get on him all you want, but they don't have the protection. It doesn't matter how many weapons you have. Don't like what the Giants did there. Floyd Reese, uh, I
3: mean, Jerry Reese, rather, uh, doubling down on Eric Flowers, who was his number nine overall pick and has really hurt that franchise and will continue to because they're really showing faith by keeping him as a left tackle. Whereas the Bills, who I think have a, I thought might take a quarterback early. They didn't take one until, I think it was the fifth round with, with Peterman, but they did try to help out Tyrod Taylor, not just with, a receiver, which they desperately needed, but with a couple offensive linemen. So even though they're saying Tyrod Taylor has to earn the starting job, I think he had a better
2: weekend than Eli Manning because they, they got him some help. Another takeaway. I like that Drew Pearson, speaking about the, the Philadelphia dynamic, on Friday night took on 70,000 drunk Philadelphians. He did a good job. Let's listen in on that. Ah! The crowd. I mean he's God!
1: he is lucky he was not he was up there for a while oh, not yeah. taken out by an assassin's bullet. I mean that was a rowdy uh Pretty gutsy. city crowd. I mean he Just started the it by he started it by saying thank
3: you for my great career or whatever. I mean that was a, the ultimate troll move mm. to start. It was awesome. He did, he did a nice job with it. Um by the way guys I have a takeaway. How about the Arizona Cardinals? I think I don't know if they wanted a quarterback or not, but I've been in on this. They're kind of all in on this one last chance, and I don't think there's... I think there's a chance they could make a playoff run still, and I think they ended up having a great draft early, taking positions. Hassan Reddick fell. There was nine skill position players taken in the top 12, so they really got their pick of the litter at defense, and that's a position they needed uh, at linebacker after losing one in free agency. Then you get a safety, Buddha Baker, who kind of replaces Tony Jefferson, so they kind of got win now, type of players All early and I think that's good because they've been a franchise who has taken these projects early in draft and it, they can't deal with projects right now. Fitzgerald's going to retire. Palmer's going to retire. Who knows about Arians? Like get
2: some players to win now.
4: Oh, that is true. And they could still be undone by their offensive line.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we doubling back to Cincinnati real quick. John Ross, they took Mixon, and they've effectively now, uh, fix that offense for Andy Dalton and giving, give him a shot. I don't know if Cincinnati, their window might've closed when he broke his thumb, but I thought they had a nice draft.
4: Another team could be completely undone by the offensive right. line, which was bad last year and got worse with the exodus and free agency of, t- of several key players.
2: Took one lineman in the draft.
3: Fifth round, JJ Dealman. It was a terrible draft for lineman. Everyone told us and teams actually listened to that. They didn't really move up and take guys.
1: They, they, they thought it was a terrible draft for linemen and they didn't take them. I have a takeaway and it's about how the draft is covered in general. And if I had one wish, if I were ever still doing this 20 years from now, I would like to see the coverage of the draft completely evolve and change because it is utterly absurd. And even what I just said about the Bears and Mitchell Trubisky and what everyone has said about Mitchell Trubisky and all these people that we literally have no idea how these guys are going <laughs> to w- work out as pros. We don't. That we rush into all this clickbait column action where it's winners, losers. This guy is going to show imp- like drastic production in year one. It's utter wind. And we aren't able to say, we, we can't, you say this thing, sit down, be humble. How about take a step back and don't put these articles and this kind of over-exacerbated nonsense out there when we have no idea. You look at drafts from three years ago. It is unbelievable how many on Pro Football Reference, how many players are no longer bold because they're not even in the league.
4: <laughs> Writers it, around the country, you can all do your small part by refusing to write your editor's draft grades article.
1: It's I think it's in it me it, back like I, in the 1980s when you're a kid you kind of fall for that. It does it, it I, I think totally we agree. can move
3: beyond it. I totally agree with the draft and yet it's a slippery slope because if you really look at what we do in general that's our that's that's our li- that's our jobs in general like when we talk right. on Sundays and we project forward like we're doing that based on stuff but we don't know, and most of it's wrong. Or a you, lot what, of it's you know wrong. what the
1: difference is? Is that now fans and anyone who is interested can watch tape of these college players just like analysts could back... They alone had that, that, that right in the 70s and 80s. Everyone has it now. And so why does this one group of people decide whether it's an A, B, C, or D? I'm just saying there's a lot you can do in our profession to be valuable. I don't think it's happening with post-draft grades that happen on Sunday night and Monday morning after the thing wraps. Uh,
2: but... The the last 54 minutes of our podcast, we made some things that are sensitive. I know, but
1: I find a tension in it because I don't feel that way when we talk about games we just saw in week two where people you're doing a service by they could watch one game or none. Mm -hmm. We all got together to watch them and we're telling what we say. The draft to me feels it just feels the one area where the lead up to it and the reaction to it is slightly absurd. I thought you were going to
3: talk about the orangutan and everything.
1: Well, don't even get me started on that business.
2: Elevate your underwear game to the next level. Oh, yeah. With a MeUndies. You know what it is. What is MeUndies? You know what it is. Oh. Oh. Just seriously soft feel-good undies delivered right to your door. MeUndies are designed in L.A. and made from a sustainably sourced (laughs) micro-modal. Modal. A fabric three times softer than cotton. MeUndies softer than soft soft, luggage undies come in an ever-changing selection of classic colors, Bold shades and adventurous patterns, so you can tell your undies to your own personal style. So, marked it. That's right. Got a corked bat. Not wearing one. Uh,
1: not sure what that means. I'm not wearing one at the moment. I'm not wearing a pair at the moment. You wearing anything? I am wearing a different type of underwear. Only because I only have two, and I'm going to sign up for that subscription.
2: And guess what? You can save time and pay attention to this part, Mark. Use our, use our right. promo code. You can save time and money each month with a monthly subscription. And if you're not ready for a subscription, that's okay. You can still save. That's because MeUndies is offering you 20% off your first pair. Just use our special URL, MeUndies.com slash NFL2017 and get 20% off your first pair. So go ahead, revamp your underwear drawer. You deserve it. And once again, that's MeUndies.com slash NFL2017. MeUndies.com slash NFL2017. Uh, Sid? Where are we on the official statement from the Shadowy League figure about why our offer code, we're reading this, this freaking copy every show, uh, where is the indi- individualized offer code to show uh, how loyal and faithful our listeners are?
5: The uh, Shadowy League figures have been unavailable for comment as they are in Stunner. Philadelphia. And, you know, they're, they're doing running. important things
2: in They're running. Please. They don't want, they don't want the truth.
1: I'm not holding my breath for a, uh, you know, a satisfactory explanation for why we've been completely blackballed. Yeah,
3: if, if any of those shadowy league figures are listening to this podcast on the flight back, you know, to the, to the West Coast, no off days. Let's get on it.
1: Right. And by the way, you're flying back into a hornet's nest.
2: <laughs> anyway, uh, let's move on. We'll check in on Go Get My Lunch. Oh, what a glorious day today is. And... Uh, so- you, oh, hey, Dan listen, I'll take it twice.
1: Turn Dan it up Dan's in your headphones, everybody.
3: Dan's like, oh, I'll take it twice. It cut to 30 seconds before on instant message. Play the song, Sydney. Play the song,
2: <laughs> or else. I get it. You're in a bad mood, Greg, and you should be because you, oh. uh, you did very poorly did uh, in this round of uh, Go Get My Lunch. In fact, uh, you lost first place overall in the standings today. And we're, no! That. That's you know too bad. That but I did fine. Six you're not sleeping. You know, Stop stepping on. Listen, just because you're in a bad mood, let's go through it, Greg. People on the edge of their seat. And don't look at my screen. <laughs> Driving me crazy. Chris Wesseling will start with uh, finished 8-5. and five. Nice job, Wes. We talked about how this was a big round for you, and you do what champions do. You step up and you deliver with a nice round.
4: I, it could have been a much better round if the Bengals would have just stayed with their pick and took taken, uh Joe Mixon at 41. Mm. Yeah,
2: so you went 8-5. and five. Uh, If the 40, This was your first prop. If the 49ers pick number two, they will not draft an offensive player. Uh, Greg and Mark took you up on it, but the Niners traded out of that pick the windfall that they received. It's kind of weak. Uh, so that is... That hurt you. That is is a void no winner there.
4: I mean they went to number 3 it's not like they dropped all the way down to 12.
3: You could have you could have had some sandwiches and there. And they took a defensive player, correct?
4: That, that was that was a yep. weak job by the Go Get My Lunch Rollers. What are you trying to
3: say? I mean, well, you said you well, got to be you careful. You got to be careful with the language. You the language is so important with it. You you, say, you know went out of your matter. way actually to say that they wouldn't trade out I mean that that if it they traded out, it wouldn't count. I mean,
4: but the spirit of the statement was if they trade all the way down to number twelve or something, all bets are off. The but it, That's not, they, If the Bears want to overpay prodigiously just to move up one spot, I mean. After your little uh,
2: scam with the Brock Osweiler prop last year, do you know how many people I blocked? Now. Do
4: you know how many people I blocked for absolutely refusing to use common sense on that issue?
2: This is, you know what? This is this ruling, which I agree. Sandwiches don't lie. It's like when you miss a foul shot after a foul that you didn't deserve.
4: I accept it, but I know in my heart that I, my, I had the right mm. call there.
2: The first quarterback drafted uh, was number two, obviously, Trubisky. None of us got it. Wes had predicted number five. Christian McCaffrey won't be drafted by the Panthers.
6: Oh.
2: <laughs> only Mark. <more. laughs> That's what I mean. it's was a bad job
3: by me and Dan for not taking you. I was going with. The,
4: only Mark got a sandwich there. I was going with the Greg Rosenthal
3: principle that you always take the field.
2: Yeah, and I, I did, and it didn't work out for me there. I could have gotten one from you. Nice and the reason mark. I didn't take it is because I had that same prop. I wanted to stay mm. true. Uh, Joe Mixon gets drafted before Dalvin Cook. And uh, that cost you three. It was a good logic to it, but it didn't work out. Dan, Greg, and Mark all got sandwiched. And it was very close. I mean, it came down to the
3: the Vikings having to trade up into the Bengals spot to Mm -hmm. to get ahead of them. So good sandwich drama, if nothing else, was.
2: Yeah. The next up, Mark Sessler, who had a round that was very reminiscent. What was the Brown season, Mark, when they won on Thursday Night Football against Cincinnati and then just collapsed? Was that 2014? Yes, it was. All right, that was that's what Sessler's draft was. He started three and zero on Thursday, <laughs> flying high. Finished four and ten. At that point, he's Brian Hoyer, and it's week eleven, yeah, <laughs> or whatever it was. The tumble was fierce. Four and ten. You had number five overall for the quarterback as well. You had Joe Mixon is drafted by pick forty five, well 30, 35. Me, 35 and I believe he went forty eight. I one thing that three happened sandwich.
1: there, and I'm not like, he wouldn't have been picked in these spots apparently, but the but the Packers and the Browns were sitting there at one point in those spots, and then they weren't. And suddenly teams that would so not have wanted Joe Mixon jumped in.
2: Uh, you had, it rains during draft hours, and you and our our, our friend the weatherman in Oklahoma uh, both wrong on this one. Three more sandwiches.
1: It was. I'll say, I had fun with that one because there, there was like, it wasn't you find out right away, you lose. There was always hope until suddenly... You know, it's this ridiculously long third day. Came within eight. <laughs> it, added minutes it added tension. It added some excitement. Two but.
2: two notes there. We heard from Shaq uh, and Colleen. It rained last night, mm. but not during draft hours. Uh, and also at one point where we just happen to be talking about this at some point during the, the third day, <laughs> uh, we look over and there's rain or what appears to be rain oh. pouring down on some children in the sidewalk, but they had just opened up a uh, fire hydrant. Oh, my I heart, my so heart jumped. Like God, 1951 I Brooklyn. Stupid. <laughs> right, right. Who do people do that anymore? Open up the fire they, hydrants. I know you were allowed to. It seems wasteful. Oh, yeah. We did that happen in New York sometimes. And uh, here's another one where you kind of put yourself out there and got banged. A team misses a pick. Three more sandwiches.
1: Well, I thought that might be tied into weather chaos, and none of that happened. But you know, I <laughs> you were really right. I am a showman, and I care about you know entertainment over food. And and uh, I got absolutely killed
2: here. So you always put everything above food, and this time I got you. <laughs>
1: Well, it's I'm not putting it
2: above food for, for the three of you. <laughs> Greg Rosenthal, six and eight. Uh, Reuben Foster gets drafted in the top 15. Uh, Dan and West made sandwiches there. When did he go? 31. So that was not even close. Yeah. The first quarterback at number 10 overall. Uh, incorrect. John Ross. Did you get the second quarterback at number 10.
1: John, Ross. <laughs> that, that gets you nothing. <laughs>
2: nothing. Uh, this one is the one that really stuck in Greg's craw, which is why I really loved it. John Ross will be drafted oh, yeah. ahead of Mike Williams. Cost you three sandwiches. Ouch. Well, loved it. Loved it. Loved it. You know, you got to trust the process long term,
3: like Sashi Brown. Sometimes things don't work out, uh, but you made it. Uh, a sensible call he
1: got taken in the top 10 it just wasn't good enough I thought he'd get taken early I like the Cleveland's GM is now being referenced as you know a picture of patience and planning
2: cut to after this went against Greg cut to the living room of his home in Santa Monica he's sitting on the couch no blinking staring at a television screen that just has fuzz <laughs> for like four straight hours just destroyed gutted ogy with yourself after that one. <laughs> The Saints or Cardinals will draft a quarterback in round one. Ouch. Oh, cost good bet, more. too. Mark I,
3: Again, I like the it process. It, it, I, I think they were they were the reportings out there that they were going to take Mahomes and uh, the Chiefs jumped up and got him. So uh, so they got so I, so I lost.
2: It looks like Mark again, by the way, that going against what was your new policy of just getting involved more. It cost you at least two sandwiches. This
1: was an absolute disaster on all fronts. Right, That's
3: the whole thing. See, six and eight. I just got in on the rest and at least I got it it back to close to
2: 500. Big part of the game. In fact, I was the only one that got anything right in terms of predictions. That's why (laughs) I ended up 11 and two Marron. The old Zeuser. the first QB. I had at number six. That was wrong. The Browns and Texans drafted a QB in the first round. Just missed that one. Uh, the Browns took one in the second round. The Texans obviously took one in the first round. Greg and Wes. I say just missed because... I mean, the Browns took three players in the first round
1: and none of them were a quarterback. But I think, they but, yeah.
2: I think Trubisky would have been a Brown if the Bears didn't go nuts. Well, and I would have no longer been part of this company <laughs> if that happened. So. But that I I cost me two sandwiches there. I lost there, but then things turn around. I had the JJ watt one, of course, where he posted a picture from his draft with his younger brother, TJ. No one took me on that though. uh, So I didn't make any sandwiches. And then uh, jets draft a defensive player in the first round, which they did in, in the safety Jamal Adams and do not draft a quarterback with their first three picks. In fact, they didn't take any quarterbacks at all as they, they are firmly on the road to scam for Sam.
4: That was a good job by you and a bad job by us. Yeah. yeah because I... it made all kinds of logic, but we all got
3: caught up in the you've got too many moving parts theory. Also yeah. also a bad Very job. Very rarely it works. Hey, how about a bad job? Mike McCagnan, for drafting Christian Hackenberg in the second round and then having so much faith you don't draft a rookie the next year. Way to double down on your big time mistake. Maybe he's not going to be there next year to make that draft pick when they go 2-14. and 14.
2: Hey, Mr. Know-it-all over here. Never even seen Christian throw a pass in the game. <laughs> <laughs> the Jets are going to keep it that way. They don't want him out there. Uh, and then Sydney, of course. Mm. Of course, You the- don't like to see the. We know. We talked about this already. Oh, and four. So four sandwiches. And, uh, and just the final, because Mark, one of your uh, source of consternation for you was who actually owes what at the end of the day. Oh. At right. The end it of makes the day, no sense. Now it does. Wes is okay. He owes me one sandwich. That's it. Uh, Mark owes Wes one sandwich. Mark owes Greg two sandwiches. Owes the old Zeus or four.
1: <laughs> so I have
2: two children at
1: home that essentially will not be eating until
2: late June. So you lost seven sandwiches in this is round. Is daddy ever coming back? He might come back with no money in his wallet. I'll right. tell you that. Useless. That uh,
1: bread on the table.
2: Greg owes West two sandwiches, and this one, this is the sweet one, owes the old Zeus mm. and Danny boy three. And then Sydney owes each of us one.
1: By the way, I'm bringing you your four sandwiches at once. <laughs> yeah,
2: so just to punish you.
1: <laughs> and you can do what you want with
2: them. Sydney. Uh, it's like in Willy Wonka, the one with Gene Wilder, where they just keep feeding her the candy and she floats away and explodes. Better be hungry that day. Sydney, this is your first time
3: playing Go Get My Lunch. Um, you didn't even make it to the draft, really, before having lost those four sandwiches. <laughs> your, your mom is is here still, right? Yes. Uh, in yeah. the Mama background. Carlson. Um, I'm sure this is, she's like. Do you feel like you, you've brought market. shame upon your family? I have, with this?
5: but not more so. This is actually my second time playing Go Get My okay. Lunch because the first time I uh, thought that Ziggy Ansah was going to have a big Oh, that's right. Oof. And Forget he's a BYU that. guy, so that was like double shame on my house and my family.
1: And undoubtedly, your mom, who's here on you know a vacation to see you, this is what she wants to be doing with her time <laughs> in California, <laughs> sitting in a stuffy eight-by-eight-foot studio listening to us. On
2: a Saturday yeah, evening. this is my yeah.
5: birthday present to her.
2: <laughs> so does that? Ma- I guess that makes you 0-8 lifetime. There's For, l- we're entering sure infamy does. territory.
5: It, yep. Also, I have one out there for Johnny Manziel to sign with the team. Oh, no. He doesn't have to stick with the team. What team?
2: In this league?
5: In in this league. I
1: mean – Yes, I believe that it did say NFL. Start preparing food for everyone.
2: Yes. Um, all right, there you go. Go get my lunch. Wrap up. Check it out. Nick Fortier, who did an amazing job all through the draft, was updating uh, the props in real time. Uh, gogetmylunch.org. That has the all-time standings. It has bio information and the little fun thing. Uh, we now have who owes what. But the, the fun tab, the soundboard. Uh, we get a lot of tweets about, oh, where do I get the drops? I don't know how you can get them from Nick's website, to your hard drive or whatever you're trying to do, but if you're trying to get drops for a ringtone or whatever, at least you know that you can find some on gogetmylunch.org. Before we go, it's time to get the man on the phone. The man, the myth, the legend. He was in Philadelphia. He is a real reporter, um, and he successfully lobbied uh, to have the privilege to drive from New Jersey to Pennsylvania uh, to cover the 2017 NFL draft. And now we're going to get his perspective as a man who had boots on the ground. He is of course, Connor Orr. what's up, bud. What's going on, everybody.
4: (laughs) Hey, Connor. Hey buddy.
2: Hello. Where do we want to start with Connor? How how was the, how was the draft for you in uh, Philadelphia? Uh, It was great. You know, I always kind of avoided, um,
6: philadelphia growing up in scranton that was kind of our uh little brother city and so i always kind of thought it was sort of a a stupid place to hang out but um i'll be honest like it, it didn't uh it didn't smell like throw up like a lot of people had said um and it was clean and historical and um you know i i thought it was great it was like um when everything was sort of set up and going crazy, it was like, uh, it was like a Coachella for heavy set 45 year old white people. So it was, uh, (laughs) it was, it was incredible. I, I really, I, I'm not being sarcastic when I say it was one of the cooler things that I've, I've, I've covered. So.
3: And you just provided a a tagline for them to use in advertising. Next. (laughs) Sure.
2: Why did it work though? In your opinion, Connor, as someone that was there, because the explanation to me as someone that maybe doesn't love big crowds and long lines and, and heat, uh, it would sound to me like some elements in place to make it not fun, but yet everyone you talked to said that everyone was having a good time. Why do you think it was? Was it the newness of it, or was did the NFL really get something right here?
6: Uh, I think it was a combination of everything. I mean <laughs> – The first day when I got down there, uh, someone screamed out of their car uh, to tell me to F off because they couldn't turn somewhere because, and they saw me wearing an NFL credential and they thought that I was in charge of blocking off the city. But um, (laughs) once we got over that, um, I had like, if you sort of, if you started at the beginning of the NFL experience, it was like a three, almost like a three quarter mile walk up to the art museum. And there was enough space where you weren't like pressed up against anybody unless you really wanted to get to the front, which I think was good. You could hear from, you know, uh, like miles back, which I think was good. And then there was like plenty of beer, plenty of water, you know, like plenty of like games and stuff like, like virtual reality. So like a- any time that someone would get like remotely bored or frustrated, I think you could turn around and have something else to do, which yep. I think was, Uh, sort of the big win for them.
1: Were there, did you witness any sort of fights? I mean, there was a lot of, there's an annoying element, I would imagine, if you're not an Eagles fan, where they dominated the scene, but maybe some people that were lathered up, some punches thrown, some sharp words.
6: (laughs) I think the funniest thing that I saw was like, um, was like a group of, like something like that, was like a group of teens, and they were all wearing the same Carson Wentz jersey, and they were like, scattering from a group of adults trying to smoke cigarettes, which was like one of the funniest things like that I, that I think I've ever seen in my life. But the only person that I saw that was like genuinely upset or afraid for one moment was like, I sort of popped out of nowhere um, after the uh, first round and I saw Colleen Wolf and and Dave Damashek. I said, hi, and they didn't know who I was. And they kind of thought I was just like, (sighs) com goober sort of coming up to them and uh, the look on their face is like, oh, no, (laughs) like, who is this person? So,
2: you know, Shaq, I can see that, that, by the way, Shaq, I could definitely see him and he hasn't had a lot of interaction with you. So it would make sense. But Connie Fox, she's got to do a better job if she indeed did not recognize you. I
6: would say it was dark and I'm I'm experimenting with the beard. So I'll give her the benefit of the doubt. We
3: should give credit. I don't think other cities would have responded like this. I mean, a big part of it is because it's Philadelphia. Yeah. They, they really do have a higher intensity and level of sports fans than just about any city. I'm not saying any city, but not every city is going to come out in those sort of numbers and provide that kind of energy. And just having been to Philadelphia a few times, like, I think it's one of the most underrated places in the country. It is a great, a great place to spend a weekend.
6: I would say um, I definitely have the best dim sum I've ever had down there. Uh, So uh, if that speaks to the cultural (laughs) diversity and uniqueness of the city, I would say that that is a a definite plus. But, yeah, I mean, you know, I I think the Fly Eagles fly thing got a little on everybody's nerves eventually. But, you know, at the same time, uh, there was enough fans from everywhere where people sort of could cluster and yell their own things to
2: each other. So I think that it was – It ended up being pretty cool. Did you say uh, this is kind of the cliche thing to do, but you've said that you've not gone to Philadelphia a lot, I guess. Did you do the the cheesesteak thing? Did you do any of the cliche, like uh, touristy things?
6: No. Um, (laughs) And uh, I I subscribe to like the Louis C.K. theory where like just don't tell me like when I go to that town, I got to do that thing. (laughs) <laughs> like you know, if if you go to Chicago, you have to have like deep dish pizza. Like no, I don't, you know, because I don't want it. And I didn't, <laughs> I, didn't I didn't want, uh, I didn't want sh- uh, cheesesteak, but I did want a warm shrimp salad with lemon verblanc, and I did have that.
2: So good for you, treat yourself. On fire. Uh, any any final takeaways uh, from your time uh, in Philadelphia, Connor Orr?
6: I think what was cool to me was seeing everybody that like runs the circuit normally and how like cynical they've become actually looked down at, at what like what was like almost a hundred thousand people the first night. And it looked like a, like a muse concert. It was just like ridiculous <laughs> and actually be taken aback by it. I thought that was hmm. pretty cool because hmm. I mean, it is sort of like a commercialized like sort of event now where we're trying to create drama and do all this stuff. But at the same time, there was just a buttload of people there are going crazy. So I think, uh, I think you got to give the nfl credit for that
1: connor i know the four of us are about to go have a beer the draft is over i think that really starts the off season in a big way you've been off the clock for a while now what are you drinking at the moment
6: uh i am drinking a Laganitas cappuccino stout and i am sanding my stairs that's what i'm doing right now what was that last part it's- I'm I'm sanding my stairs. I'm restoring old wooden stairs, and uh, oh, you're back home already. Steely Dan. Oh yeah, yeah. I uh, which Steely Dan
3: once again cementing your role as the manliest and most adult of the around. Most adult. By the way, when
2: you mentioned Steely Dan, Wes woke up. Give him what album? (laughs) Any major dude will tell you. Uh, I'm doing Countdown to Ecstasy right now. All right. Uh, That that's a fitting way. uh, to close it out, Connor Orr, thank you very much for uh, supporting us uh, with good information about what it was like boots on the ground in Philadelphia. Carry on with your great Saturday night, buddy. It's been a pleasure. And with the 211th pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, the New England Patriots select your gross Uncle Terry's laser disc copy of Speed 2 Cruise Control. <laughs> They're the best. Football team. <laughs> What a team. You did it again, Greg.
1: Always a step
2: ahead. We'll be back on Monday. Do we re- We have to come back on Monday? We just, we, we just
3: we did like f- no. 50 shows. We no. don't necessarily. So we'll see. There's nothing more to talk about. We'll talk about that off the air.
2: We'll be back September 12th. There you go. <laughs> After the first. <laughs> <year>. <laughs> no, we'll probably be back Monday. If not that, and if not Tuesday, uh, for some more draft fallout and a 37 minute talk on Randy Gregory. Uh, so make sure you tune in <laughs> for that. But uh, until then, it's time to go home. or to the bar. This is Dan Hanza signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the boss, new bunny behind the glass, and new money's mommy. That situation. Till next week.